We're so glad that you've chosen to watch this video and join us today. I'm really excited for these first couple of songs. They just resonate so much with my heart because they help put God, help put our Lord Jesus in his proper place in my life. And I'm hopeful that that's what it will be for all of us as we sing, Great Are You, Lord as we sing about Jesus being the anthem of our hearts, the anchor of our souls, that this will help us to just focus in on Jesus. Let's sing. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken great are you lord it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour
so many reasons, too many to count, to say that I love you, to worship you now. Your love is perfect, and your heart is kind. I'm yours forever, forever you're mine. Jesus, the anthem of my heart. Jesus, the anchor soul. I'm overwhelmed by all you are. Oh, how I love you. Oh. You call me beloved, and I call you friend. Your grace says I'm worthy. Now all that I long for And all that I need Is to be in your presence Forever I fall at your feet Jesus, the anthem of my heart Jesus, the So many reasons to love you Your promise never breaks Your beauty never fades What else can I say? There's so many reasons to love you Faithful, faithful to and God, you are always good. Where do I begin? There's so many reasons to love you. Your promise never breaks. Your beauty
to live in relationship with you, to know your love, to have experienced it as it's been demonstrated so clearly to us in the gift of your son, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this anthem, for this anchor. We thank you for this love and grace and mercy offered to us through Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for taking the cross for us, for securing forgiveness for us, rescue from our sin, for offering eternal hope to us. For all of it, we give you our praise. We give you these hearts. We give you these lives. We love you. You are the most important thing in our hearts and lives today. Be honored be glorified, be lifted high. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, Crossview Church, it's great to see you via video. I'm glad you're checking in. Also, I'd like to welcome all the guys who are tuning in from New Lisbon Correctional Institution. Uh, normally, I have a chance to come down and preach in your chapel services on a regular basis, and I'm um, so looking forward to the next time I can do that. But with this pandemic, uh, I was unable to do that, so uh, we're able to try to bring this to you via video. And so I'm excited that we get to at least connect that way, and I hope this is helpful to you and that this is your heart. One of the many flaws I have that I'm trying to work on is that when uh, I talk to somebody, sometimes I'm easily distracted and someone might walk past and my, that takes my attention off the person I'm talking to and it makes that person in, who's uh, having a conversation with me feel like they're not very important or feel like I don't care about what they have to say. Maybe you've done this with people, maybe you've experienced this, but as a pastor, this is kind of an occupational hazard. I could be in a conversation with somebody at the end of service and people are leaving, and as people leave, they'll kind of say, hey, Dan, and say hi, and I can easily be distracted, and uh, it makes that person I'm talking to feel like I don't want to hear what they have to say. And so I really try to work hard on staying focused, and no matter how good my intentions are, sometimes I still screw up and, and I'll get distracted and, and come off of the conversation. And I think sometimes we view our relationship with God like that. We try to stay focused on God, we try to stay tuned in, but no matter what happens, there's things in this life and things in this world that pull us off course. And Jesus was addressing that in the beatitude that we're going to look at today. We're in a series called The Jesus Way, where we're looking at the markers of the Christian life. That's what we're calling our word for the Beatitudes. Uh, in this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which was the greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus starts off by giving a list of Beatitudes. And what these are, he's saying these are the markers of what a real Christian looks like. And we've been in this series going through each one. 
And today uh, we are looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 5. Or if you are checking on your phone, and I encourage you to look at the Crossview Church Church Center app. All of the verses and sermon notes are there, so you can check that out. Uh, Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. So if you kind of go three quarters of the way in, you'll see Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 5 and we're going to be focusing on verse 8 today. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does that mean? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Well, I want to first talk about what pure in heart doesn't mean, uh, so that we know uh, what it does mean. Uh, Pure in heart doesn't mean to be very disciplined. It doesn't mean that I'm going to work out this thing called Christianity. I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to behave the way I'm supposed to. I'm going to make sure by myself will I do this. That's not pure in heart. Uh, Some people think it means that, but it doesn't. Pure in heart doesn't mean having good intentions. Well, it's just good enough that I want to be pure in heart, but if I don't do it, then, um, you know, I'll get covered somehow. Um, Pure in heart doesn't just mean having good intentions. It's got to mean something else than that. Pure in heart also doesn't mean simply just being morally pure. If you've been around the church at any time, oftentimes when we come across verses like this where it says, blessed are the pure in heart, when we hear those words purity or pure in heart, we automatically think of sexual purity or moral purity. And though that's a part of this for sure, it's not what it solely means. Jesus was looking for something even bigger than that. It's not just uh, a pureness from sensuality or uh, immorality. So going back to the example I have about being distracted, uh, to be pure in heart means to be focused. It means to be sincere. It means to be absorbed. It means to be concentrated. It means to be undivided. What Jesus was saying was, blessed are those who are focused on me, who are sincere. Uh, Jesus was saying in this, blessed are those who are uh, absorbed with the life of God. Blessed are those who are tuned in to the life of God. When Jesus gave this sermon, there's no doubt he was thinking about two Old Testament passages in the book of Psalms. I don't know if you know this, but the book of Psalms is often referred to as Jesus' prayer book. Uh, Many Jesus scholars believe that Jesus prayed through the Psalms and used it as a prayer book the whole time in his ministry here on earth. And so it's very likely that when he said, blessed are the pure in heart, he was thinking of these two Psalm passages. The first one is Psalms 24, uh, verses 3 and 4. It said, who may stand in God's holy place? That person who has clean hands and a pure heart. The people who are undivided, focused on God. Another one is Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided heart to fear your name. That idea of that undivided heart, that's the pure heart, a heart that's focused in on God and his ways. Jesus here is calling for a radical inner purity of heart. The word used there is used in other places to describe clear water or unmixed feelings. I love that thought, unmixed feelings, or metal without alloy. See, Jesus is saying to his followers, if you're going to be a follower of me, it's going to require a radical, single focus on God. To be pure in heart means that God is the first love in your heart above all other loves. It means that God is sitting on the throne of your life, and he is the only king. It means that he is the one who's determining your course and your direction. 
Now this teaching that Jesus gives us here, and just like he'd give his followers who are sitting here listening on the hillside to him talking about this, is a difficult teaching. It's difficult for two reasons. First, it rebukes the thought that you can be a Christian just by attending church and going through Christian motions. It rebukes that thought that being a Christian is something that is all external but not internal. It's kind of like counseling. I'm a big fan of counseling. I think counseling helps. I think going to a counseling is a great thing. I think going to a counseling is a lot uh, similar to like a physical fitness coach, how they help us physically. Going to a counselor helps us uh, be a coach to help us uh, emotionally, mentally. Uh, I'm, I go whether I need it or not on a regu- semi-regular basis. And so I just think it's a great thing. But here's the deal. Sometimes we have in our mind that if there's an issue and problem, we just go to counseling and it'll be fixed. But just going to counseling and sitting in an office doesn't really do anything. You have to do the work that the counselor wants you to do to become more and more whole. The same thing's true with Christianity. Just attending a church really isn't going to help you grow spiritually. You've got to internally put in the work. You have to uh, connect with God and allow his grace to empower you to put in the work to get to know him. So this teaching can rebuke the thought that thinking that, all Christianity is, is attending church. Second thing it does is it rebukes the thought that a person can segment their life, that they can have the Jesus portion of their life, the work portion of their life, the family portion of their life, and that they just kind of pop in and out of these different segments, and that's what Christianity is. That's not the case either. Jesus is making it really clear. To follow him means that he is Lord over every area of your life, family, work, leisure, recreation, whatever you're involved with, even in your time in church, Jesus is Lord over all of it that he is the center of your life, guiding and leading. And not that you lead this segmented life with all these different uh, pie pieces, but that he is Lord over every part. Blessed are the pure in heart is a statement that requires us to do some soul searching because focusing on God with an undivided heart is one of the greatest challenges of our time. I mean, think about it. Who can do this? Who can be singularly focused on God 100%. There's none of us that are capable of doing that in our own strength. To be pure in heart means we have to be undivided, singly, single focused on Jesus in our minds, in our emotions, in our actions, 100% set on Jesus all the time. That's the standard that Jesus is calling us to in this Sermon on the Mount, the opening uh, segment where he's going through these beatitudes or what we're calling the markers of the Jesus way. Jesus is saying, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. This is what it looks like to be a follower of me. And he starts with these beatitudes. And the way these are written and the way they are worded, it's very clear that Jesus is calling us to perfection in these areas. He's saying that you need to be perfect in your devotion. You need to be perfect in your mercy. You need to be perfect in your humility. You need to be perfect in your hunger for righteousness. You need to be perfect in your mourning over sin. That's the kind of perfection Jesus is calling us to. And when we read that, we get bummed out because we, can't, we look at this and we say, I don't know if I can do that. That feels impossible. And that's the exact spot where Jesus was leading us. There's a Russian novelist who says, I don't know what the heart of a bad person is like, but I know what the heart of a good person is like, and it's terrible, right? There's none of us good enough to live out this perfection. So if perfection is required, but we can't produce that perfection, what are we supposed to do? 
You see, this is a tactic that Jesus used in a lot of his sermons. He would preach people back into corners where basically he would say, the standard to live and follow me is perfection. And it would make people say, I don't think I can do that. In fact, I know I can't. And that's the exact spot Jesus wants us to get to because what he wants us to realize is we can't follow God in our own strength. We can't follow God in our own self-will. We can't follow God in our own self-discipline. There's no way we can do this without him. There's no way we can live for God without God living within us. So Jesus backs us up into these corners with his preaching so that we realize we can't follow him the way we're supposed to follow him without his power and his help. That's where he wants us to go. That's why the first beatitude is so incredibly important, and it was laid out the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He's saying, blessed are those who recognize their need for God. He laid it out right in the beginning, like, you're not going to be able to follow me. You're not going to be able to do any of these things unless you recognize you need me in your life. See, that's what Jesus is getting us to. He's backing us in that corner saying, God, I need you. So if we're called to perfection and we can't do that in our own strength— What can we do? See, this is where real Christianity comes in. We are to throw ourselves fully on God and trust in his grace and his power and his love and his mercy to transform our life. That is the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. They throw themselves upon God and trust in his grace and his mercy and his power to pick them up from that place and empower them to live God demands a humanly impossible standard. Then through Jesus Christ, his son, gives us a way of meeting that standard by his grace as we surrender to him. And when that happens, this beatitude that we're looking at, it says we start to see clearly. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ and surrender to him, we start to see clearly. You see, the second part of what we're looking at today says, it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. They will see God. Those who throw themselves on the face of God, those who throw themselves in the hands of Jesus, they get a heart that is new. They get a heart that is pure. And the benefit of that heart is they start to see God. Now, do they see God clearly and fully? No, no human being could do that and live. We see that throughout Scripture. They don't see God in his fullness. However, they see him in many ways. They see him through the Scripture that God lays out and gave us the gift of his word. They see God in creation. They see God in human interactions and what he's doing. They see God in the good actions and service of other people. They see that God is moving and he's doing different things. And you know where else they see God? They even see God in their suffering. Do you know that? That you can see God in your suffering? There's an amazing godly man in the Old Testament named Job. And the Lord allowed Satan to come and bring huge amounts of suffering and pain in his life. And after he went through these huge amounts of loss, his family, his income, his house, the things that were meant so much to him, God allowed Satan to pull all that off of him and experience the suffering. You know what he said in Job 42 after all that was done? He was talking to God and he said, you know, I heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. I've heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Before the suffering, I heard reports about you, of what it was like. But now that I've gone through this suffering, I see you as you really are. See, suffering can get us to a spot where we see God more clearly. 
And that's what Job was saying. I heard reports about you, but now I've seen you. I want to encourage us not to be people who live with God simply by reports. Let's not base our life and our, and our following Jesus on, based off of reports about God, but let's base our lives on truly seeing him, having that pure in heart that allows us to see him in a powerful way. So many of us are simply content with just the reports. Let's not be content with the reports. There's no life in that. Let's become people who truly see God. This marker that Jesus way tells us that the purer our hearts become, the more devoted, the more focused, the more sincere, the more absorbed with God our hearts become, the more we will see God in this life. That's what Jesus is saying here. The more our hearts are focused and absorbed, the more we will see him. Theologian and author Kent Hughes wrote this. He says, as our hearts become pure, the more the word of God lives and the more creation speaks. Isn't that a great thought? The purer our hearts become, the more the word lives and the more creation speaks. There's also an ultimate seeing here. Those who surrender their lives to God, those who go before God and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I confess my sin to you and I invite you in. The people who do that and then begin to walk out that commitment, they begin to follow Jesus and by reading his word and growing in him and developing this relationship with God, what this is saying is those that do that have an ultimate seeing here. One day when they die and see Christ, they will actually see him face to face. When they die, the Bible tells us within seconds they'll be standing before God and they will fully see and take him in. And they, when they receive this pure heart from his grace now by surrendering to him, they have the promise of seeing God face to face when they die. Listen to this other quote that Kent Hughes said. When followers of Jesus Christ die and reach heaven, they will experience more joy in that split second than all the sums of the joys that they experienced on earth. Isn't that incredible? i got to read that again. When followers of Jesus die and reach heaven, they will experience more joy in that split second when they see God than the sum of all the joys experienced on earth. He goes on to say, they will behold the dazzling blaze of his being that has been seen and will always be, the abiding fascination of angels. Scripture and reason demand that we understand that will be the greatest event of our eternal existence, the day we see God. You see, we get so caught up in the here and now, but as followers of Jesus Christ, when you're following, you have a day ahead of you that's going to be the best day of your eternal existence, and that's the day that you see God. And when that happens, you're going to be transformed in a moment. You see, only Jesus can turn death into something like that. Only Jesus can take something like death and turn it into the greatest moment of your existence. Do you believe that? Have you asked Christ into your heart? Are you following him? Don't let another day go by without doing that. Go before him and say, Jesus, will you come into my life? I need you. I want to grow in you. I want to be a follower of you. And he'll come in and he'll make your heart new. He'll make your heart pure. And he'll empower you to live in a way where you'll see God like you've never seen him before. Not only in this life, but when you die and you go to heaven. 
If you want to improve your sight, I encourage you to dig deeper into this by doing our devotional that we do as a church throughout the week on uh, version. This week we're going to be looking at one called Good, Good Father by Chris Tomlin. And I encourage you to check that out. It's, going to be, it's a daily devotional you can walk through. But not only that, as I wrap up, I want to give you four quick things that you can do to improve your sight by becoming more pure in heart. The first one is be absolutely honest about where you are with God. Be absolutely honest with God about where you are with him. Maybe you've walked with him for a little while and now you've let it go and you've lapsed. All of our hearts are prone to wander on this earth away from God. It's something we have to keep doing. And be honest with God about that. Or maybe you've never even sought his face at all. Maybe he wasn't even on your radar. But now you're feeling like you want to engage with him and have a relationship with him. Just go before him and talk to him like you would a friend. And invite him into your life and be honest about where you're at. Number two, acknowledge that only God can give you a pure heart. There's only one who can give you this pure heart that allows you to live this kind of life, and that's God himself. And just say, Jesus, I want that pure heart. I want you to help me to be more focused, help me to be more absorbed. Some of you have been coming to church for a while and you see people and you think, wow, that person is so much more closer to God than I am. That person, and you, some of you think, I'll never get there. Just go before God and say, God, I want a close relationship with you. Will you help me? Will you empower me? You can do that, God, so help me to do that. Number three, I encourage you to fill yourself with the Bible, God's word. Fill yourself with this book. This book is the revelation of God. God said, if you want to know what I'm like, here it is. This is God speaking to us. When we pray, we speak to God. When we read his word, he speaks to us. Fill yourself with this conversation. Fill yourself with the words and the being of who God is. And finally, number four, I encourage you to think about eternity, not this earth. To be a person that's focused on what's come after this life. Not be so focused on this life. We get so focused on the here and now. And the Bible says the here and now is just a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So don't bank your whole life on just the here and now. Think about what your life's going to be like in eternity. After you die, your soul goes on to live forever in one of two destinations, heaven or hell. Where do you want that to be? And what determines that location is what you do with your life now. So think eternally. Think, where do I want to spend my eternal life? With God or separated from him, which is the most horrible thing you can imagine? We want to be with God for eternity. Think about that and say, I want to be a person that lives this life with an eternal vision, not a temporary earthly one. 1 John 3, 2, 3 says, Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. When you see God face to face, you're transformed and you become like him. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. See, when we have this hope of what we're going to be, when we see God face to face in heaven, it moves our heart to become more pure, to become more absorbed, to become more sincere. It's a vision we need. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, that lived the perfect life on earth, went to the cross to die for our sin, to be our substitute, who rose from the dead, conquering sin and conquering the grave, and now gives us this amazing invitation that if we invite him into our lives, we can be transformed and new. We can have a heart that is focused and pure and set on you that we would see you as you are. God, I pray that you would help us to walk in the reality of what Jesus has done for us. As we yield our hearts to you and lean into you, I pray that even this week, we would experience deeper levels of intimacy with you, deeper levels of your presence, deeper levels of being able to see you in our day-to-day lives because of this connection we have. Strengthen that connection, God. Tether our hearts to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Now take this blessing with you on your week that describes our master Jesus and what he has done in a perfect, perfect way. I love this verse from Jude 24. It says, Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. There's only one who can do that. That's Jesus. The only God our Savior Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Have a blessed week.